Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my fabulous co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. Jacqueline's wearing her signature yellow, big New York coat, so she's truly the fabulous one today. Inside. (laughs) In the basement. Because I'm freezing. (laughs) I'm still fabulous. (laughs) I was like, I told Mina, I was like, I put on makeup today and my wool coat, but I'm wearing yoga clothes underneath. <laughs> I know. I'm wearing kind of an okay shirt, but joggers underneath. <laughs> like so many joggers for Black Friday. That's awesome. So we're actually recording this on Cyber Monday and I'm a little bit pulled that I feel like I should be spending money online instead of doing this podcast episode, but let's do it. Well, we still have 24 hours in this day. Plus, did you know Cyber Monday is actually a bigger sales, retail sales day than Black Friday and all the rest of the days? So let's talk about that because- I last night stayed up till 1.20 in the morning because it was on East Coast time. I was trying to stay on West Coast time because I was trying to get in my holiday card order um, because there was like major 50% off sales, right? I just went on this morning and it's 50% off plus an additional 25% off. On the same thing? so mad. Yes. It's with Shutterfly. So I'm like, I might need to contact them and say, I did this at, I did this on Cyber Monday, East Coast time. Want to honor that discount? Right. This is why we were coaching our masterminders. I said, make it a very simple, straightforward offer. Like on Black Friday, it's one product, like let's say 50% off of shirts or one collection. And then on Monday, it's something else because you will get those people that come back. And then you'll have to like reimburse them or make them happy or something. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, they feel, what's it? (laughs) They feel gypped. Is that? Yeah. yeah. The money you're spending on like customer service too, right? Like that time that you're spending, like dealing with them, um, be like, Oh, can I get a price match or can I get that discount now? And it's, you know, and we do that because we want to keep everybody happy. But, um, so what was your experience with black Friday? Oh gosh. I love black Friday. Um, (laughs) So much. If you follow us on Instagram, you can see all the things that we bought. I bought a $20 toaster oven because every morning my daughter wants like fish sticks or crispy shrimp. These like for breakfast. Yes. <laughs> we don't do real breakfast around here. We do like snacks, like bite-sized snacks, but it's like panko breaded shrimp. That's what she has every single day. She's like living the life, guys. And so I have to make like five at a time. So I bought a little toaster oven and it's a convection oven and it was only $20 mm-hmm. at Target. And then I bought three Echo Dots because why not? They're only $20. We bought two Echo Dots. So let's just say we're on the same bandwagon and we didn't even talk about it. We just yeah. did it independently. And then I also bought a um, iPad, a new iPad. Keep Congratulations. It yeah. It's for my daughter for Christmas um, because hers is so 
like it, she plays Minecraft on it and it's, you know, really, really slow. So it was like $80 off. Plus Target was doing another 20% off coupon. So I get that for a future purchase. Plus I had 5% off for my red card and I was feeling like I got mega deals. So mm-hmm. that was the thing, right? We were like, we were looking for the mega deals. We weren't interested in the other the other things. We went to Gap. It was 50% off. My kids need winter clothes because that's what you deal with when you live in the seasons. Like you have to buy clothes for every season for your kids <laughs> for every age. And then they grow out of them by the next season. Yeah. Versus in Los Angeles, like they could wear their shorts for as long as they're a size five, but not here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I really, I didn't get anything like super, super fun. I think the dots were like the most exciting thing. And then we're still kind of working on our house a bit. And so there's a few little things that we need. So we've been sort of surfing, surfing the internet for that. Um, but yeah, today's Cyber Monday and we're excited about it, but we were really like, I was out, I was out in the stores, I was in big boxes in the malls. They were busy. Lines weren't absurd. Um, but I felt like keeping the sales through the weekend, I think there were some doorbuster type deals on Uh Friday, but keeping the sales through the weekend, I guess it just ended up being a long weekend of sales. And I don't know if the excitement was there, but where I saw the excitement, where I saw some really amazing deals, especially, um, the people who follow us on Instagram or that we follow on Instagram, these small businesses, like there were some really good sales amongst the people, like the product bosses that we know. Yeah. I mean, small businesses, we know it. It's the backbone of America. It's making America great again for real, not, you know, a slogan. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's really cool to see all these different offers and people really thinking about business and bringing money into their households because times are a change and where income is just like, you can make it online. Actually, you know, I used to hate Black Friday, like hate it, hate it when it used to be where you could stampede people and there was big crowds. And I was always really anti-Black Friday. Now I'm so into it because of online sales. Like that's my jam. I love going on there. I love going to, you know, peruse online (laughs) with my fingers on Small Business Saturday. And it's just fun to see like all the, it's really inspiring getting to see all the things that people are up to and then how they're pushing other people's products too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was watching how people were promoting on Instagram, on Facebook, like how it was just popping up into my feed as, as sponsored. Um, there were a few places that I just kept going back to and considering whether I was going to make that purchase. Which made me give a mental note. So I'm going to put it out there right now because before I forget to tell Jacqueline, but I think that we should do a gift guide, like a small business gift guide where all the sales are so people can pop through it. Even if it's like maybe a bonus podcast episode or a PDF or something, I think that would be really cool for next year. Yeah. All right. Keep your eyes out, everybody, or your ears out. <laughs> um, so this episode is going to be really fun. We are we posted in our social media handles, so on Facebook and our private Facebook community, and on Instagram, we posted a post saying "Ask us anything." So we had a lot of responses, and so many so that we've decided to split this into two episodes. So if you're listening to this on the day it came out, it will come out on Thursday, and then we'll have a bonus episode on Friday where you can get all of these um, really interesting questions and hear our answers to them and see what it's like if you were working with us and how um, typically people who work with us in strategy sessions or masterminds, they'll have a big question and we'll really help them figure it out. And plus, we just wanted to put some info out there for all of you because oftentimes there are very similar issues for everybody. And like if you're dealing with it, other people are as well. And so it's really great to kind of get that out there for everyone. Yeah, these are hot off the presses. Usually Jack and I don't wait until the Monday of releasing two episodes to <laughs> answer these questions. So these are going to be definitely um, 
you know, hot off the presses, quick answers, hopefully quick. I mean, we get to jabbing, of course, or gabbing, whatever that word is. <laughs> My brain is not working that chatting. well this morning. Chatting. We, um, um, yeah, we really wanted to be real time. So like we, we asked, we asked our um, community and we really wanted it to be real time. So we didn't want to um, answer these and put out this episode in the new year where sort of they've maybe worked through it or there's new things to talk about. So you want to start? Yeah. So should we go back and forth on asking and answering? Sure. Um, okay. So question number one. Oh yeah. And I asked everybody for the name of their business as well as their first name. So make sure you guys pick your ears and listen for those because these are fellow product bosses. And we'll put their links in the bio or in the um, links the in show. bio. whatever it is. Um, Hi, ladies. My name is Kristen, owner of Mom Shop at Free the Mother. SEO is crazy complicated. Is it worth to pay someone to do it for you? I'm too busy to learn myself. Love you guys. Love you right back, Kristen. Um, I'm going to give a really easy answer to this. I would say, sure, it might be worth paying somebody, but it might be easier just to do it yourself because there's ways that you can just do it really quickly. Um, the one thing that I use was a Shopify plugin or app or whatever you call it. It's an app called SEO Manager. They go through every single page and they rank you. So then it's super easy to do. So they'll say, put some text here about this product. You need to have alt text here. Or like it just puts it all into layman's terms and it's just asking you questions just like how H&R Block used to do taxes and it would be like, did you have a child this year? Instead of, you know, you actually learning how to do taxes is the same thing. You're kind of learning how to do SEO and it's in very relatable fill in the blank question form. So I'm going to go between the two. If you can afford it and it's a, and it's something that you can afford and that you're willing to maybe put some money into, then sure. But just so you know, you're going to be learning as well through it, right? So no matter what you do, um, there's still going to be this like learning curve. And I've had a client before, she spent like 10 grand on getting her SEO um, bumped up, but then people didn't know to search for it. So she had done a sleeping bras basically to help when you like, I guess sagging happens while you sleep for your breasts. And so she made these bras to sleep in Well, she paid a lot of money, um, to increase her SEO, but guess what? Nobody was searching for sleep bras because nobody knew that that was a problem. So if she had really put out more information, maybe if she was a blogger, if she was on podcast episodes, um, if she got some press, some influencers talking about it and really letting people start to know that this was an issue, then it would have been something that was searchable and then SEO. Otherwise, if you're going to do bras and you're going to have, you're going to increase your SEO there, you're still competing with Victoria's Secret and other places that are doing it. Um, so I would say that it's something that's very uh, compelling to do. Um, there are like what Mina had said, there are some things that you can do to kind of help you with your SEO. Um, and uh, Amy Porterfield, if you listen to her episode 221, so it's amyporterfield.com slash 221, she has an episode on um, with, I think it's Dev Patel, no, Neil Patel, sorry, Neil Patel, and he talks about how to kind of work on your own SEO. So that might be a really cool place for you to check out. Yeah, she actually sells um, her own t-shirts and they're in her own brand. So I don't know if the SEO will bolster enough where she would be getting people randomly Googling and her, them finding her. I think that maybe your play here should be like, let's say you plan to spend $500 on SEO. Instead, use that money to give away t-shirts to do backlinks. Like, So you give somebody a t-shirt that has 
you know, a blog, they write about it or they just put a link in and then that creates a backlink and then that helps the algorithm as well. So it's your on somebody else's um, blog or website, but that's relevant. So it has to be relevant. So like you getting on like a dog t-shirt one would not be relevant. So it would not help your, the algorithm. So keep that in mind. You might want to do that instead, instead of spending your money straight up on SEO, because it's really product um, driven. And I don't know if yours, like if you wouldn't be able to get on the front page of custom t-shirts, for instance, or mother-based t-shirts, you know? It's really on working on your visibility and like Mina said, like all these backlinks. And so backlinks are where, so the more connections you have out in the world, but from your website to other websites, it will organically increase. And then if you, let's say did some, um, not that everyone needs a blog, but if you had a blog and you had keywords in it, it really starts to like up your SEO naturally versus going in and shifting keywords on your website. And then we have a client that, so same thing with me, I was saying um, $500, let's say she spent a lot of money on a lot of different types of platforms for, let's say advertising and sponsoring and, um, you know, like sponsored posts. And then she was able to see which, which, uh, platform worked for her. So it could be that it's just about increasing your visibility on a certain platform or like Mina said with giveaways. Yeah. And it might be you doing a guest post on a mother driven blog mm-hmm. and then having that link in your bio at the end, whatever that byline or whatever is, you know, Kristen owner of blah, 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 you know, and then any additional information that is relevant to the article. So other ways to do it. I think that SEO is so different now. You might want to think about your strategy more. Yeah. But that's, if you get a chance to listen to that episode, even it's just a way for you to wrap your head around SEO a little bit more to understand the complexity of it, to really decide whether it's something you're going to spend your time on or not. Yeah. Faux show. Okay. (laughs) No joke. (laughs) So next, uh, the next question. Hi, I'm Lauren. I make custom family ornaments. If you could go back in time, what would be the advice you would give baby Jacqueline and baby Mina? What would you do differently in the first year, knowing what you know now? And do you have any advice for people in their first year of business? Thanks so much for creating the product boss. Obsessed. Well, thank you, Lauren. Um, We're so excited that you listen and we're actually obsessed with your ornaments. Yeah. So Lauren is at Creating Carmichael on Instagram. She does custom like family ornaments, but there's ones with like little dogs. They're so cute. So adorable. You guys have to go check it out. I showed my sister actually the other day. There's one that um, had like a little dog and she actually puts little ears on them. It's not painted dog ears. So I thought that was really neat. Um, so Jacqueline, do you want to start? What advice would you give baby Jack? <laughs> baby Jack, baby Jack, Jack. Oh my gosh. That's what we hear all the time around here. Um, yeah. Willa in her Black Friday purchase yesterday was, she bought herself an, um, Incredible. Incredibles pajamas and called herself Jack Jack until she saw herself in it. And then she said she was Elastigirl. So it was adorable. Um, okay. So what advice would I give baby Jack? Um, well, one thing I would say is that I started three companies in the same year. So I started two product-based companies and designer consulting co-op. And what I realized was if you want something to do well, you really have to focus. So I would say focus. And we say that whether it's, whether it's in business or whether it's in like even product focus, right? So you can do a whole bunch of things, but if you got really focused then you know what you're speaking to and what you're doing. So I would say that otherwise I don't really regret a lot of the things I did, whether I, um, actually, no, I take that back. I paid $6,000 for six weeks to work with a publicist. Cause this is pre-social media guys. So, um, I paid $6,000. They represented like 
Pink, the Victoria's Secret brand. They represented Timberland. They represented like a Coke brand and they took me on um, and they had me pay to do gifting to celebrities plus their assistants or their managers or their publicists, whoever we're giving it to. So let's say um, we were going to give something to, I don't know, uh, Jennifer Aniston. We'd do two, one for Jennifer Aniston, one for whoever's the gatekeeper because the gatekeepers keep stuff. So just so you know, because I used to work for celebrity and I got all sorts of things because <laughs> I worked for her. Um, and then so, and then I paid for a personal delivery service to actually take these bags and hand deliver it. And that was what they said. Well, the only thing I got out of that was a handwritten letter from Dakota Fanning saying, thank you so much. Which is framed up on her wall right now. It actually <laughs> is not framed, but it was pinned on my like inspiration board. And I was like, I don't even know if she wrote this. So I guess what I'm going to say is like, and that goes back to this SEO question, right? People are going to tell you, this is what's going to work for you. That's what's going to work for you. Spend money on your SEO, spend money on a publicist, spend money on gifting. Um, you have to try it. So I did a lot of trial and error and I was able to whittle it down to what actually did work for me and what didn't. Yeah. I think the advice that I would give myself is that it all depends on the relationships. I think that when I was first starting out, I'll, I'll do this, I'll parlay this thing. So when I started off in graphic design, I was just a little baby, 23 years old. Um, <laughs> it was so long ago. And um, I remember just being so scared of everything and so unsure. And I thought that the key was having a good portfolio. Mm-hmm. And turns out it was not you guys. It was putting myself out there and making relationships with key people. Because once I made a relationship with one key person, it was like, hey, guess what? I'm doing the annual reports for this bank. And then actually the bank didn't come first. It was commercial real estate. But I was able to pick up more people because they were like, hey, that's really cool. They trust her. So I should trust her. And so I think that is really key is you know, getting in in those relationships. And one of the regrets that I had was, um, so this was back in the day, it was like 2004, 2005. There was like the first virtual trade show. They probably are not even there. I mean, I was on like the oldest tube iMac at that time. And I paid $1,000 before I was making money to be a virtual booth at a virtual trade show. And this was before it was done. I didn't even fully understand it. And that was just like money down the drain. Like literally I gave them my money and it was gone. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was my thousand dollars that I had earned to put into something that I thought was going to change everything. And that's the other thing too. There's things that you think will change everything, but it's just not true. (laughs) Like, you know, it just takes consistent work and testing things out. It's like, you know, it's really hard to be like, oh, I'm going to take this $10,000 and put it towards Facebook ads. Because what if that those Facebook ads don't pan out? So that would be the advice that I give is, you know, relationships are very much in your control, whereas like Facebook ads are not. So baby Mina, right? That's what the advice I would give her. For um, little labels, the advice that I would give myself is um, seek therapy or a coach. Um, I'm, I'm being totally serious in that because I was going through such a hard time with Layla just getting out of the hospital. And I did go to um, a therapist and I know Jacqueline's a huge therapy advocate. And even Natalie Octel has mentioned that on her podcast. But I think it's really important to have somebody that you can talk to that can step outside of yourself, right? And that may be a coach, that may be, um, I don't know, 
can't really be your friend or sister a lot of times because they can't see outside of you and they think that there's ways to help you, but it it might not be. They're not professionals, you know? So I think that's the thing is like to mentally take care of yourself. That would be the advice I give, you know, baby Mina, little labels Mina. (laughs) It's funny because I had my business for 10 years before I had a coach. So nobody had ever stepped I had kind of, like you said, like relationships where they weren't really partnerships, but definitely like collaborations where we kind of grew our businesses at the same time and we were really influenced by each other. So that's probably like the startup of like a mastermind idea where there's like lots of brains together. I hired my friends oftentimes that came from advertising because I've always had like these advertising people in my life. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think, I wonder if my business would have been different had I hired a coach earlier. Yes. Was I ready for it? Probably not. I think I think for everybody, you go through these experiences and you end up on the other side no matter what it is, right? So we always say fail faster. So I think it's seeing what's working and what's not working and moving quickly to a solution. Um, and then I'm also going to say, I guess, just to give advice to people in their first year of business, I know there's not a lot of cash flow in your first year. I just want everyone to know though, it does take money to make money. So you can bootstrap a startup, but you do need to find the funds somewhere to take it to that next level. So whether you're going to do a Kickstarter or you know your sales takeoff, or you really narrow down like what your expenses are, um, I think in your first year of business, you're not spending the money as much like as you will have to. Um, and I and I like to see your first year of business. It's like a snowball. So think of your new baby business as a, like a tiny snowball, and you're rolling it down the hill. And just know that it's going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger. The momentum's going to pick up. But you, really, you guys get through your first year. You get through your first year. <laughs> it gets so much easier. Yeah, it's easier to keep that momentum than it is to start it. You know, yeah. what's that? Theory, um, whatever. Emotion, an object in motion stays in motion, right? Right, right. And that's even you know when you're getting up, right? It's easier. You're like body's creaking. You're like, oh, getting up for my share. But once you're moving and you're already moving, it's easier to keep on moving physically too. So always just um, get through your first year. Best advice ever. <laughs> yeah. And me and I are getting through our first year and like really the momentum has kicked up, right? So where we, yeah. we started straight up flat on our backs, like Want to do that? It hasn't been a year yet. The, the year for is birthday for a podcast, no, is um, for the podcast is January 8th. Yeah. So it's coming up. We should do something special. All right. Let's have a party online. <laughs> uh, <laughs> online party. <laughs> but yeah, first year is like, um, there's a lot of trial and error. Like we said, fail faster. Know that you will need funds to get you to whatever that next level is. Um, and hopefully your business is making it. Also, I just want to say, you may not be paying yourself for a while, but get through your first year. Yeah. So next- first year too, mindset is unreal. Yeah. So hard, so hard to get through. So keeping that in mind, just get through your first year. You'll get through that mindset stuff and then they'll be easy breezy. <laughs> There'll be new mindset stuff. Um, All right, next question. Um, Hi, Pam with Milk Bliss. Any advice on time management while juggling a business, a nine to five and being a mama? How do you two do it with your families and multiple businesses? Um, We just... (laughs) (laughs) that's a good answer right there, that laugh. We just do the best we can. Um, That's how we do it. And there's somewhere where I heard this thing called mental boundaries. And I think that that has been huge for me with having multiple businesses. And I do that in terms of 
um, days, right? I always say this. I feel like I say this all the time. Monday's product boss, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is low labels. Friday is my whatever day, right? My creativity day, whatever I want to do. Um, some people, which this as entrepreneurs and especially creative entrepreneurs, they actually work in some part of, parts of their houses on different parts of businesses. I mean, different businesses. So visually, the work, let's say Jacqueline works on DCC in her basement. She'll go to her kitchen table to work on the product boss, right? So that visually will give you mental boundaries where it's easy for you to get into multiple business mode because it's so hard to be like, hey, I'm going to work on the product boss. And then, hey, in half an hour, I'm going to work on low labels. Your mind just cannot catch up to what you're trying to do and you can't utilize that momentum. Yeah. So I think I agree with you hundred percent on do the best you can. We never realize that we are doing the best we can. We always think that there's something more you can be doing. And that right there is going to create this, this internal struggle. Um, we know milk bliss. Well, it's an amazing, they're lactation cookies and overnight oats. Um, and they are super successful women with small young children on their partnership. So that's even more of a struggle, right? Because you're dealing with a partner and their time commitment. So the advice I'd give you in juggling your business, the nine to five and being a mama is going to have to be blocking time. So let's talk about this. You're getting home from work and you probably want to see your kid. So you're probably not going to be doing a ton of work after when you get back, you've got to commute because I know where you live. (laughs) New Jersey. No. Um, and, uh, you're probably going to spend that time. So what you probably need to do is just tell, like Mina said, mental block. The time that you come home to the time that your baby goes to sleep is your time with your family. Then is there like an hour or two that you can put towards the business that needs help? And that's when you might need to block your days. It might be that you're batching your, um, Instagram posts or your, you know, maybe you're recording some videos that you're going to post, or maybe there's something in inventory that you need to do, or you need to send an email that you'll send at night and can, your responses will come the next day, right? So you can check on it the next day. So, and then you also have a relationship that you're in. You also have your own time that you need. So it might be that three days a week when you get home, you work on your business after the baby goes down. And then same thing on like a Saturday or Sunday. I know a lot of times, like when I lived in New York City, you'd see all dads out on Saturdays. Like Saturday morning, literally dads roamed the streets with babies in strollers, with coffees in their hand and at playgrounds because moms got Saturdays off. Um, just the way that it was in the city. And so it could be that. It could be that you ask for time with your partner that you take um, you take time in the morning or on a Saturday or maybe it's a Sunday night and you're like, I actually need a four-hour block on a Sunday evening or something like that. And then that's a weekend time that you've already pre-established as your time to work on the business. And then... Um, you know, as you guys are growing this, I think that personal time does drop out a little bit, especially with a young baby. So you're just going to, again, we talked about like first year, second year, you're going to really dig into this because it will get easier the bigger your business gets because then you'll be able to hire help. Yeah. Um, I didn't even mention, so Fridays are my anything day. Saturday is actually my kid's day. They always have my Saturdays. And then Sunday is my prep day. We do absolutely nothing. I try to schedule nothing. I don't cook on Sundays. I don't 
I, I enjoy Sundays the most because I call them soul food Sundays because it's food for my soul. I love prepping. I, you know, it's not even meal prep. It's literally brain prep, you know? And so, and then my kids have quiet time and they understand that quiet time is because we're coming down from the weekend because Monday will be especially rough if they have not come down off of their high of getting to do so much fun stuff, you know, usually. So I think that, and then also just, you know, being an introvert, Sundays are my introvert time a lot of times. And then it's kind of like I've bred that into my kids too. Um, Having a nine to five though is very tough because that's set hours for that. Us with multiple businesses, we can be making our own schedules so it's more flexible. Whereas like with Milk Bliss, they have nine to fives. They're working in their fringe hours, but everybody only has 24 hours a day. So when you get down to it, you have those set hours, nine to five. You have your family time, let's say evening hours to dinner time. And then you have to choose, you know, maybe it's Thursday night or whatever. If you don't want to get into the weekend for three hours, that's when you work. And then Wednesday or Friday or Wednesday, somewhere around there should be your time. You have to build in your time too. And then oftentimes you have to build in your husband time, you know? So it's like so many, so like many morning, roles. Five to 6 a.m. That's when yeah. he got me. And I might be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want to say, here's an idea. I just, because I was thinking about our Sunday yesterday. We were uh-huh. prepping. Yesterday, we were really prepping for this week. We were like cleaning up the house from the weekend. There was We were a little bit, it was a motivated day. It wasn't really a relaxed day. Saturday is more of a coming off the weekend. You really don't want, or the week, you really don't want to do much. Sunday though, we were really, and I said to my husband, I was like, should we call the sitter? And see if she'll come over for three hours so we can get all of the things done. Because again, if you've been following our Instagram, we're working on our house and whatnot. So that could be an idea for you as well. And if you guys, if you can afford it and just think about it, like if you're a sitter, New York prices are the most expensive. So 20 to $25 an hour in New York city for sitters, right? So if you had a sitter come over for three to four hours on a Sunday, it doesn't even have to be every Sunday, but what could you get done with three uninterrupted hours in your business or at work or doing what you need. And it could be, you know, once or twice a month. It could be every Sunday for two, three hours, but that might be an option too that it might not fall on your husband or your or your spouse, your partner. It might not fall on you either. And it's okay because you're building a life for your family and you're you are committing to your child. I was told this too. It's not the quantity of time you spend with your kid, it's the quality of time. So you have really good quality time with your child. It's okay. It's a, you don't have to be with them 24 hours a day when you're away from them during the week either. Yeah. And for kids, it doesn't even have to be spectacular. I think if you listen to our last episode or whatever episode it was, I was talking about doing more fun stuff with my kids. Well, this past weekend, I cleaned out the garage and let them scooter around in like this big garage that they never get a scooter around in. And it's cold here. So we shut the garage and we turned on the lights and I sat in a lounge chair, had a Corona and... And they got a scooter around and they loved it so much because first of all, it's not that cold in our garage. I bundled them up and then it's Iowa. So they're not getting to typically scooter around. And then the garage is like somewhere, something we've already had. I just didn't clean it up or organize it enough. So it wasn't anything spectacular, but they loved it so much. And you know, just anything like that where it's just it's like fun and different. Yeah. And it's something for you too. You're cleaning the garage and, and if you choose to relax, you know, then <laughs> do so too, you know. So I would consider just, if you can't, let's put it this way. And this is actually, this is Natalie Ekdahl, so I'm not going to take the credit. But one of the biggest things I got from the Biz Chicks community and podcast was that I learned how to be a mom 
and a wife and a business owner and that I could task out things at home because sometimes people are like, what do you need help with? I was like, I need a wife. And so does my husband. Like we need, like (laughs) we need someone to do the home stuff. And so if you can, and sometimes you feel like I just can't afford it. But if you want to think about what your time is worth in your business or what your time is worth with your family versus your time doing things that you don't need to be doing, could you find that? Could you find that money? Could you not go to Starbucks a few more times this month and be able to do that? And so it might be take, like funny because we were going to clear out our garage yesterday too. It was a warmer day. And I was like, we need the sitter to come because my kids, my son can watch TV all day, but do we want them watching TV all day? No, like it would be better if someone was engaging with them. Or think about like a, like if you know like a young person, like maybe there's a 12 year old that lives across the street that wants to come hang out with your kids. Like just get creative. So I hope that helps. So next question. Yay. I'm Carol with Asha Blooms. I have two questions. What percent of your biz success would you credit to hard work versus mindset versus surrounding yourself with the right people? And then in uh, parentheses, people who believe in you, coaches, etc. Anything specific you do to start or end your day as it relates to your business, meditation, affirmations, journaling, more sleep, etc. It's a big question. It is because it's two questions. Um, <laughs> 80% mindset, 20% everything else. <laughs> Hard work the least. <laughs> um, definitely mindset. I think you have to have the right mindset in place. And sometimes it takes other people to do that. So those I think are go hand in hand for me. Um, I'm able to get over a lot of mindset stuff when it comes to money mindset and stuff and things like that on my own. Mom guilt, no way. If there wasn't people I surrounded with me, myself with that didn't do a terrible job at mothering, but awesome job at the same time, then I wouldn't feel normal. You know, I'd always be beating myself up. So I think that, and then having coaches and everything, I think it's very important. I don't think you get to the next level without having those people around you because there's somebody that kind of has to say, you can do it. And I know you can, because the mindset piece is so big and it's takes, it's continuous, it's constant. And you have to, I don't know, you have to like, keep on going even when you don't believe it. And it's so easy to quit, you know? Yeah. I think it's like visually, I guess I would say it's like you're in a dark tunnel, right? And there's someone telling you like, it, it just keep going. Like the light will be at the end of the tunnel, right? Or they can point out to you where that light is. I think that's something that if you can't do it for yourself, it's whether it's somebody, you know, like maybe your spouse, like my, my husband and I, like he wasn't the person for me, for my business. Like I used to think I could turn to him for stuff and he would actually this is like years ago because we've been together for a long time, but he would actually get frustrated with me, always talking about business, always talking about the things that were happening. And he wished that I had somebody else. And as I grew my team twofold, I had team members that were employees and they were not to be privy to mindset stuff. But like I said, I actually hired two of my best friends. Um, uh, like advertising companies were laying off uh, people and I was able to hire them on and one managed my business and the other one was like a partner in the logo creative stuff. And, um, and they were my people and we jived on talking about business. They were like my pre-biz besties to Mina, but like we really liked talking about it. So I think, and just full disclosure, Carol is actually in one of our masterminds right now and she's worked with both of us one-on-one. So I think the amazing thing for you, Carol, is that you have this community for one, you have coaches for two, and um, and I think it's really helped sort of clarify and help you decide on the choices that you're going to make 
versus like a lot of that trial and error. Like you get other outside advice. Yeah. And I think it's important that people understand that coaches don't have all the answers. And I think a lot of people do know that, you know, I think it's more so not looking for answers, but we're looking for somebody who resonates with them, right? That understands where they're coming from. So, you know, a lot of times it it is that piece of, hey, I get where you're coming from and I acknowledge it and here's what I think, right? And then they can help you in whatever mindset piece you need to work on. The hard work piece, honestly, I think that hard work, anybody, it's not guaranteed. We heard that in so many of the episodes, like with Ashley of Bee and the Fox and John McQuaid of Pins and Paper, that there's a little bit of luck that goes into stuff. There's a little luck. bit of timing. Um, hard work is not guaranteed that you will make you know, any sort of success. Can I speak on hard work really quick? So <laughs> I don't know what's coming, but I feel like... Okay. So... Um, So I grew up in a tumultuous family and I grew up with my dad who worked really hard. And a lot of the reasons why like he wasn't around was because he was working hard, supposedly. That's what I was told, right? So I grew up, if we're going to go mindset, I grew up thinking if you work really hard, anything's possible, but you have to work really hard. So this is a, this is like a question that's really unfolding here. But, um, when I say that like James and I used to have conflict, it was because I would literally, I was, it was like those 1950s like movies where, but I was the guy. So he'd be like, honey, <laughs> I'm home for dinner. I'll be home at seven, but come in at eight 30. And he's so pissed at me because dinner is cold <laughs> on the table. <laughs> I, I slaved to- away on this dinner. True. <laughs> so, cause I used to live, I mean, I used to, work in downtown Los Angeles. There's a ton of traffic in LA. And I would say, yeah, I'm leaving and something else would come up or something else would get done. And I work really well at night. That's just something that I do well. So like when things quiet down, when people don't need things for me, I can work on moving my business forward. So I worked really hard. I mean, I'm telling you my office building was open 24 hours and I picked it because I would leave my office sometimes at one or two in the morning only to be back in the morning at nine. And I would remember telling myself like, could I sleep here? I could sleep here, but I'd be a little bit creeped out because my doors were like somewhere at like see-through glass. And I, if I saw a shadow walking by, I'd freak out. But I literally, guys, for 10 years until I shut my office down at the beginning of 2018, would there were so many nights I stayed in downtown Los Angeles. Like, oh, to the point that one of the nights I was parking in a new parking lot and the parking lot closed and I had to Uber home and take an Uber the next day. So I thought that working hard meant that um, working hard and really working my like pulling these all-nighters was going to move my business forward. Did it? Yeah. I mean, I had a really successful business with a team. Was it running smoothly sometimes? And so not until I started working with a coach did I see that actually there were like things to clean up, processes to clean up, um, narrowing down on certain things. And then now I'm telling you, I've been out a couple times at night because I'm a mom of young kids. I don't get to go out often. (laughs) And when I've been in cities, like we were in... um, Pittsburgh this year, like if I'm in New York City, sometimes I'll work, walk by those like workspaces or like offices and I'll see people late at like late in their offices. I look up and I remember like, I'm like, that's how I used to be. Like I used to be really late at night, like in my office. And now I'm out walking around on like with all the people I used to look down on and be like, oh, they get to go to drinks with whoever or whatever. So it's weird, this whole shift where now I've built my business and I spent a lot of years doing it, but if I had more clarity, if I had more direction, if I had someone pointing at that light at the end of the tunnel, I maybe could have really organized my day and my efforts into more precise things. And then 
it wouldn't have been so much. I wouldn't have been fighting with my husband over dinner being cold. Yeah. And I think that time is money, right? And money Mm -hmm. is time. Like if you look at your revenue, you are making more money than you ever were when you're hustling and, you know, doing all nighters, right? So I think that ideas of success change and then you have more people that you're worried about when you're a mom because you have those little mouths to feed. Um, But, you know, like, yeah, like those all-nighters, they weren't making, you you didn't become a millionaire from it. You know, it doesn't equate time to, you know, like to success in that point. Yeah, because if you want to talk about it, we want to jump back up to Pam's um, question. Like, Milkless is a successful business. So they could be putting in two hours a night into that business and still have, you know, a large company. It doesn't mean, it just means that they need to have a direction or set goals. It doesn't, they don't have to be working 40 hours a week on that company. Yeah. Um, So let's answer the second part of this. Anything specific you do to start your day as it relates to your business, meditation, affirmations, journaling, more sleep, more sleep. (laughs) I wish I did all of the things. (laughs) So um, I pull a card from Gabby Bernstein's on deck of a universe as your back. So I do have those. I put them on Instagram sometimes. You and I are so similar without realizing because we don't live <laughs> together. So I actually have the cards. If like only the, we could live together. I know. We should. It'd be so easy. I have like the four agreement cards behind me too. And I also have some um, on my, uh, I've got them like an app on my phone. Yeah. And I don't actually journal. I wish I did. I loved doing that kind of stuff as I was growing up. So I feel like it would be beneficial. It's just not right for me right now. Um, I do have two affirmations, not affirmations, but quotes or mantras or whatever that I've pulled from my whole entire life, especially these past few years. And I'll share those. So one is I am capable of doing hard things. That one always comes up. Always, 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 always. I'm capable of doing hard things. I'm capable of doing hard things. I'm capable of doing hard things. And it helps me remember that I'm capable of doing hard things. The other one is one from Nate Berkus, which is a designer. He was in an interview with Oprah one time and he was talking about how people design their homes and things like that and how um, people strive to make it so perfect, especially with him being a designer. They're like, oh, should it be really modern and clear and clean in here? And he's like, no, if you love knickknacks, that's what you love. And I always struggled with that because I felt like, oh my gosh, my... I hate knickknacks and things like that. You know, they have their own idea of perfect. And he gave these lyrics of a song. I can't even remember who sings it, but I actually blew it up on a like frame thing in my house and I've had it up there for like four years. So it's um, ring the bells that still will ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's where the light gets in. So isn't that beautiful? There is a crack in everything. That's where the light gets in. So when I was first designing my house, we had a beautiful house with like wooden floors and everything and the kids would get scratches on it. They write on the windowsill. I'd say there is a crack in everything. That's where the light gets in. And it helped me through my perfectionism. And because if there's no cracks, there's no light. And if there's, you know, no light, it's just dark all the time. So because there's a crack in everything. That's where the light gets in. So remember that. Those are my two things that I've carried for years. And I think it's really helped me um, because I think about those without even thinking, you know. I actually used to wear a bracelet all the time that said, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? So that's something that I also lived by a lot of times and I'd wear it. So I think for me, I'm very bad at set routines. Like if it's on my calendar, I'll show up. 
But if it's a set routine, because I'm a quick start, I get excited and do other things, right? So I'll start things, I'll try it. It may or may not work. It may or may not stick. So some of the things that I have done, one more sleep. I, we've talked about this in the um, that I do a gratitude journal. And literally every day is like, what would make today better? That I went to bed earlier. <laughs> Would it though? I mean, even if you went to bed at nine, do you feel like you'd just wake up with a spring in your step? No. And obviously, and sometimes it's more sleep than I need. So then the next night I'll be up later. Or like last night, I was up till 1.30 in the morning making holiday cards. Like I work well at night. But what I will say is that, and also getting up in the morning, I've got young kids. There's no like getting up in the morning at like any normal way that I would like, when people are like, I meditate in the morning or I do this in the morning. It's like, great. I get up in the morning because my child's telling me they're hungry and I need to go make them waffles in my toaster. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And get them dressed and get myself dressed and put my contacts in and get them to school. So, but I do say that I, I used to listen, I used to watch TV or listen to TV when I worked. I know Carol makes a lot of her jewelry. She makes it herself. And so I'm an artist and I would have things on in the background. What I need is I need to kickstart my brain with thinking. And that's what really gets me up. So actually what I'll do is in the mornings, I'll actually put on a podcast and listen to something while I'm getting ready. Even if I don't listen to the whole thing, but it just gets my brain going that I like, I get up because I like to do two things at once. So I'll, what was I listening to this morning? Um, sometimes I listen to the daily about news. Sometimes it's a little dark and I don't really want to do it or something, something shows up and I'm, and so I'll do that. I'll listen to like 10, 15 minutes while I'm getting ready. And then I just turn it off and I'll get back to it later. So I'd say that that's what kickstarts me. I don't turn on the TV anymore. I just uh, listen to I, my iPhones on a podcast and it follows me everywhere I go. Yeah. Speaking of the Echo Doc dot from before, if you say, Alexa, shoot, I hopefully I don't turn yeah, on they're somewhere. everywhere. They're <laughs> everywhere, guys. If you say, Alexa, start my day, she will do whatever you want her to do. So in our case, we actually do that every morning. Alexa, start my day. She tells us the weather, so the temperature, and then she plays, um, right now it's set on Ruth B, um, Lost Boy, and then she'll um, go through my calendar. And she only plays one song though. So a lot of the times, so I'll say start my day and she'll do the weather and then she'll play that song. My eight-year-old gets up by herself, brushes her own teeth, gets her own clothes ready, which we set out the night before, and then um, turns on the lights for me and Layla to wake up because we're the (laughs) the non-morning people. And so she has to wake us up. So, um, so that's cool. Where do you program that? Um, in the Alexa, on Alexa app. app. Yeah. And I switch up the song every once in a while, but it has to be very mellow. Like I noticed with my kids, I can't be like, you know, baby shark to do <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, let's stop saying that word because we had somebody tell us like we turn on their, uh, their like dots all over the place. <laughs> but um, that's great. I think I might do that because that's all I really need is I need someone to start talking to me. I need to start just thinking and that. Uh-huh into whatever mode I need to be in. Yeah. There's also flash briefings on there, which are like mini, I don't know, I would say they're podcasts or whatever, but sometimes people put their full ones on there. Speaking of Neil Patel and Eric Sui or whatever, however you pronounce his name, they're two biz besties of marketing school. And if you play them on flash briefings, then they have like a full five minute episode. Except for they were on like, you know, multiple billion dollar businesses. So sometimes I find that I'm not that relevant to my life because it's just too much, you know, like gross income, I'm sure gross profit. It's that much, you know? Yeah. So this is Kelsey O'Callaghan of Durai Home. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Best advice for how to move from paid contract work or a stable salary, which Kelsey does design work. She does like digital stuff, websites and things like that. 
into starting a business that isn't steadily cash flow positive yet. Obviously, you need savings, a phased approach, et cetera, but any advice or any ideas on how to make that jump without a hefty sacrifice, as you said in the last podcast, doing 50-50 between two is often not good. So I want to go back to what I said earlier about how you can't jump from one to the next, but you have to have stability in one. So I never started multiple businesses until I was stable in one because I needed the income for one. And I also needed the mindset, honestly, uh, because putting everything onto one is so volatile as far as like mindset and everything that you do need money coming in from somewhere because you, or you need to have a nest egg built up. So somewhere stability has to come in before the other side gets put into play, I feel like, full-time. And we, and so we started this business and we didn't start it with a lot of money because we really just had like, we were one of, because it's not a product biz, guys. So we got yeah. to just, you know, buy the domain and set up, and Mina's talented. And so she set up the website. But where our price, our costs were, which we haven't talked about, one is our time because we both get paid a lot of money in our other businesses. And then two, our travel or like our investments into coaching or um, events that we've gone to, that is something that we paid out of pocket individually until, and also like we've, we've spoken on panels, like at the magic show in Las Vegas or in um, Los Angeles. So we paid that out of pocket. That's not something that the product boss was paying for just yet because the product boss couldn't pay for it just yet. Moving forward, the product boss is paying for our travel now. And that's, you know, like we said, like that first year of getting out of that first year. So this is what I want to say to you. You really can't quit your day job until your side hustle is making enough to support, somewhat support one of your, um, one of your salaries. So I would say like both of, if like you and your spouse run a business together, you don't really want, or you could see if your spouse is making enough money that it allows you to leave if you're making some money. Um, if you need a financial advisor or your CPA to kind of talk to you about your numbers. So even though going 50-50 between two is often not good, it's usually necessary until you stabilize something or you see growth and you know that the momentum is there and that your business is going to be able to take care of you. But again, you don't necessarily pay yourself for a long time in a product-based business. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have a regular nine to five. She does have contract work. So this is a little bit similar to how I was when I was doing graphic design per contract um, and then moved to product. So I was very stable in that I had done it for 12 years. I had multiple contracts with you know, private banks, commercial real estate, financial management institutions. And I honestly just did more projects. So instead of me relying on the actual you know, nine to five income in, in most people's minds, right? what I was already making, I would just pick up an extra um, project per month and consider that a lump sum. Like, you know, if it was, let's say a $3,000 project, that was an extra project that I normally would say no to. And I would just put that towards my, you know, side hustle. Basically it was private labeling at the time. And then it made its way into little labels. And so that was extra money that I knew I needed the other money to contribute to the household. And then I just did the additional project because at that time, I only had one kid, which is a big difference from two. <laughs> and um, it would be extra money. And then I helped to kind of fuel that. Um, so it was like the investment, right? So I'm taking that project money, putting it as investment towards all these things. And, and until I got it stable on its own. So basically, you can't 
move from one to the other until the other is stable. So eventually, hopefully your side hustle becomes very stable that you can move over. But until then, you have to build that stability. Otherwise, you need it from your other job. So there's like going to be a lot of give and take. So if you work really well project by project, I would say just pick up more projects. And then knowing that that will go towards that nest egg, like you said, it's phases where you'll be able to move over. But if you work backwards from your goal, that will make more sense. Like sometimes I thought this was crazy when people would think about this, things like this, because I would work in lump sums like $3,000, right? But sometimes people do projects and they do it in passive income terms where they're like, hey, I'm making $200 and that's paying for my electricity every month, which is cool. Your electricity is paid for by some sort of passive income thing. But I was always like, man, that's a lot of work just to get my electricity paid for, <laughs> you know? So it's just like reframing a lot of things. So like if, you know, this project is paying for the Facebook ads on this end. So make it more tangible, you know, like this project for this extra website one is paying for SEO help or whatever. And then I think that you'll be able to progress on both a lot easier because you're able to not make it such a big goal where, hey, this is going to totally make up for the income that I'm not making on this side. You know, it's like such a huge goal. I need to make six figures by the end of this year if I want to, you know, switch over. I think that's a lot harder. So do it piece by piece, project by project, and then then see how that goes. And you can also see if you're, it's kind of similar to Designer Consulting Co-op and uh, Cuffs Couture. And I had another company called Lily Mark. And I thought of my let's say Cuffs Couture as the child I was feeding. This is pre-having kids because Cuffs took all the money and DCC made the money, right? Because you're a service-based business. So you also exactly what I mean is saying like whether you take on an extra project and because this one part needed to be fed and the other one needed to get the money. So not only was it time, but it was also the finances and what and where it could be spent. So, but I would like to say though, is if your if your other contract business is doing well, is there a way you could start to outsource or or replace yourself? Is there a way you could build your business and replace yourself and maybe or scale so that you could take on more projects, pay someone less than what you pay yourself, and start building that business a little bit bigger so that you have more time to come out and work on your new business? So I think those are all just great ideas. It's it's a big question. Yeah. And I think if you're working in websites and digital, it's just like graphic design where there's the creative and there's the production. So try to scale and outsource the production part. So let's say you start with an initial project, then try to outsource the making changes, change, you know, nudge this over a little, change the coding on this, things that you can pay less for and because it's not creative and then start with that and then try to alleviate some of that time. Yeah. And if you guys check out her product, it is Amazing. It's like it, it's called dry and it's a quick drying bath mat made out of like organic materials. Yeah. So it is a natural material that doesn't mold or mildew or anything. So it's like some sort of magical material. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about it, but it's it's pretty cool. And it'll be their peep there. She's taking pre-orders for um, January. All right. Well, this concludes part one of Ask Jacqueline and Mina Anything. Thank you for everyone that did submit their questions. And we will have links to all these amazing product classes in our show notes below. And tune into the next episode, part two, to hear the other amazing questions that were asked for some of our, from our community. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Hey there. Still here? 
We want to invite you to our 2019 Mastermind, which starts in January. We've opened it up to three groups now to better serve our masterminders in startup, five-figure, and six-figure and above. We would love to have you in there to help transform your business into the product business of your dreams. Join other amazing product entrepreneurs for support, shortcuts, and real connection. Go to www.theproductboss.com mastermind for more information and to save your spot.